I am so glad that you are joining Cindy LeFevre Yorks for this episode of His GPS for Your SOS. We pray these encouraging words will enrich and bless your day. Rising with confidence to undertake God's commissions. In the movie Wayne's World, Wayne and Garth are seen bowing down to rocker Alice Cooper and exclaim, We're not worthy! It's in response to an invitation to hang out with him and the band. For the cable access show host, their imagined grandiosity, at least in their minds, on the part of the band, compared to their common selves, could not measure up to the imagined grandiosity. Sometimes in life we are intimidated by the accolades and accomplishments of those we imagine to be more talented, connected, and celebrated. But at the end of the day, God loves and esteems the common man just as much as he does the well-connected power broker. But in our popular culture, God's economy doesn't get much traction. As a result, we often feel deflated and defeated as we play our compare cards. Unfortunately, this self-deprecating attitude can infiltrate our psyche and wreak havoc with our ability to make an impact with our kingdom work. For instance, a woman might receive an invitation to join a leadership team that runs a Bible study. The woman might immediately feel she isn't worthy enough or godly enough to take the task on. In her mind, everyone else is superior. To her, the other leaders appear practically perfect in every way. And before the potential leader even takes a knee to see what her father God thinks of the idea, she removes her hat from the ring. Such a withdrawal results in a missed opportunity that deprives her of the chance to take a risk and make a mark for Christ. We read the truth about everyone who walks the face of the earth in Romans 3.23. There we read that all who sin fall short of the glory of God. Who sins? Every human being, every church leader, every pastor, every colleague, every friend. It's important for many reasons to be fully aware of the fact that all of Christ's ambassadors make mistakes. God isn't looking for perfect people to carry out His work. He's looking for someone who's willing. In Isaiah 6, 5, the prophet Isaiah is lamenting about his imperfections. He states that he is a man of unclean lips. A cleansing ritual performed by an angel follows the prophet's repentant statement. When the prophet heard the voice of the Lord ask, Whom shall I send? Isaiah jumps at the chance. He famously said, Here am I, send me. Do we jump up when God calls us to a task? We don't need a cleaning ritual to empower us. We've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. We have the infusion of the Holy Spirit, and the same power that raised Jesus from the grave lives in us, as we are told in Romans 8.11. This divine infusion of power prepares us for God's service in a way that no earthly training program, accolade, award, or seal of approval could ever do. Will you choose to take a knee next time an opportunity presents itself to serve the Lord? Make sure you don't utter a rapid-fire answer from your gut. Instead, ask God to illuminate your mind as you call out to Him. He makes a promise in return. Call to me, and I will answer you, and show you great and mighty things fenced in and hidden that you do not know. And that's from Jeremiah 33, 3. I love this verse because it serves as a powerful reminder that we aren't going to have all the answers when we set out on our journey of service. Learning on the journey is as big a part of taking a leap of faith as it is the setting off point. We don't arrive and then start. We commence and continue, and someday we will arrive where God wants us to be, eventually ending up in the New Jerusalem 
if we choose to love, honor, and worship Him. Join me in undertaking this lofty challenge as we rise with confidence to do His kingdom work. I'd like to read this excerpt from my last book, the third book in my devotion trilogy, The Vault Door, and this entry is called Land Worth Securing the Wilderness. The open space behind the house where I lived as a teenager stretched endlessly as far as my eyes could see. As a young writer grappling with adolescent growing pains, I would often set out in my boots with a notepad and pen to brave tall grass as I made my way to a small clearing where I would journal and write poetry. The music of the cicadas and the babbling brook played just below my favorite rocky perch. It struck me then how much easier it was to surround myself with inspiration and thought in the middle of nowhere than it was to court the muse in my own room. The need to leave familiarity behind to encounter new thoughts and ideas is as well-worn as the notion of penning our innermost thoughts. My self-imposed time in that wilderness was relegated to an hour or so, a sharp contrast to the sentences imposed on the characters in the Bible. The children of Israel wandered for forty years in their wilderness. King Nebuchadnezzar wandered for seven years in the wilderness. It's recorded in Luke that John the Baptist spent most of his life ministering about Jesus in the Judean wilderness. Jesus himself entered the wilderness where he was tempted by Satan only to emerge victoriously after resisting temptations. Today, when people hear the term wilderness, they think of a place where hardcore campers and backpackers might go to get away from civilization, to boast about their ability to conquer whatever nature throws at them, only to re-enter society as conquerors of sorts. But the wilderness we read about in the Bible is more than just open and desolate space. It's a remote, seemingly lifeless place that is almost God-forsaken in its appearance and nature. It is in barren and desolate places where we are most likely to come to the end of ourselves. We are free from distractions and diversions, alone with our thoughts, and if we have the presence of mind, we can have an opportunity to connect with our Creator in a profound way. But the wilderness can also represent the barren place where men and women reside when they are not in communion with God. The Israelites did not make a beeline for the Promised Land. God is the one who led that pilgrimage. Unlike modern navigational tools that plot the most efficient course from A to B, God's agenda is more about the journey than the destination. Refinement was God's primary goal in relegating the Israelites to decades of trudging through the sand. He wanted His people to be fully reliant on Him, from the manna they ate in the morning to the quail He would send in the evening. He would summon water from rocks. In our own lives, when we find ourselves in the wilderness— We might be inclined to engage our own GPS, but what God really wants us to do is follow His leading and let Him illuminate our next steps. Join me in trusting God's itinerary for your life. And the keys to kingdom living are, it's only when we lose ourselves that God's agenda for our lives can truly rule and reign in our hearts, our minds, and our very lives. And the doorpost is, prepare the way of the Lord in the wilderness, make a straight highway for God in the desert. Isaiah 43. Thank you for joining us today for this episode of His GPS for Your SOS. Cindy also posts encouragement daily on Instagram. Her blogs can be found on her website, cindyyorks.com. Her entire Door Devotion trilogy is now available on Amazon.